0: Matthew twenty. It's the next parable in Matthew's gospel that we run across. As I was telling you earlier, this is this is a favorite of mine. Um, And I'll try to explain that at the end. All right. Um, Matthew twenty is the parable of the the Vineyard Workers, um, it's a parable of the kingdom, and he's describing what the kingdom reality is like. I, uh, I was studying this this week and looking at some of the commentaries and realized that I, I disagree with many of them, so <laughs> hey, I get that right, don't I? Here's what I think's going on. I think that, that 19 is a lead-in to this. A lot of people believe that 20 just starts some new material and Jesus is off on some thought about the kingdom. I don't think so. Because I think I, I am, I have been convinced of it. I'm just giving you my opinions. You can disagree with me on this and I want to teach you, but you, know, you, don't, you don't have to uh, accept this or if you think differently, that's fine. Um, I think that 19, 1 through 12 is about more than divorce. I think it has teaching about marriage and divorce, but I think it's about more than that as well. The more that it is about is about the kind of kingdom righteousness that Jesus was calling people to in the Sermon on the Mount. Where in the Sermon on the Mount, he even mentions, he says, you've heard it... um, You've heard it said that if a man divorces his wife, let him give her a bill of divorce. In other words, that was their rule, that was their teaching. But he goes beyond that. Uh, He even intensifies the instruction about adultery and says, it's not adultery, it's lust that's the problem. Jesus is always intensifying the demands of the law to to simply say this, it's not just about keeping the rules, it's about becoming a righteous people. And he's not saying that we have to be perfect and flawless. And this parable, by the way, is going to, is going to emphasize that. That you don't get extra credit because you're, you're better at righteousness than somebody else. But he's at the same time saying righteousness matters. And then in 13, you have another statement that's very much like we saw in chapter 18 about the little children. It's a little different. Uh, people are bringing children to Jesus to place his hands on them to pray for them but the disciples rebuke them and uh, Jesus says let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these when he had placed his hands on them he went from there Uh, children matter in the kingdom and that's not a sentimental statement because children in the ancient world had no status; they 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 didn't matter, and they didn't matter in religion. If you're in the first century world, like like uh, Matthew's um, readers and the followers of Jesus, um, religions were sort of like social clubs. The men could go to the uh, to the gatherings of the mystery cult for Mithra. No women allowed. It's kind of like the Elks Lodge or something, and and uh, but again, it was the 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 father was the head of the household. He practiced the religion. The family accepted it, and he, that religion blessed that family, and also created certain connections in society that were uh, sacrosanct. And there were cults for women; they were rarer. You have the cult of Bonadea, and uh, you have some others, and and but again, Christianity is one of those where the family really matters and the family participates um people come together and they eat in the in the christian religion they have the bread and the and the wine and they they commune all of family matters uh the, the household matters so jesus blessing the children shows that this isn't just a matter for uh busy men who are uh church builders to to uh, build churches. No, this is, everyone matters. Everyone has value. Everyone has worth in the kingdom. And then along comes the, uh, the fellow that we call the rich young ruler. He wants to know about righteousness. He's kept the commandments. Jesus says, if you really want to go further, then here's what you do. And by the way, Jesus isn't making things difficult on him. Um, notice verse 20 of chapter 19. Um, Jesus mentions the commandments and, and he says, I've kept all these. Um, what do I still lack? And um, Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. It's not, a, it's not a punishment. He's promising him a better type of wealth, treasure in heaven. He's offering that to him. Come follow me. But the man goes away sad. And uh, it's not just in today's world that we have this thing called the success gospel that if you follow God and you trust in God, then he's going to bless you. He's going to prosper you and give you whatever you want. And uh, if you're awake tonight at 3 a.m., you can go see any of these uh, uh, fellows who claim to be gospel preachers on television and telling you that if you 'll send them a seed offering uh, god 's going to give you back tenfold. don't believe it don't believe it it's uh I, I don't mind slamming those guys uh, i'm, telling, I'm I, I've, I've been watching some of that here lately. This Jim Baker up in Branson i 'll go ahead and name him i boy, that guy i mean that is that is a scam and a half scaring people and then he's going to sell you these big old buckets of food for an outrageous amount because he claims that there's some kind of disaster coming and that's not gospel that's not gospel let and and by the way i know you know that but let other people know that because that, that it's just sad how much they do that but even in their day and age there was kind of a subtle success gospel where god um you know again think of the parable and it's another parable that we'll get to eventually maybe um of the rich man and lazarus that if someone prospered and did well in um in this world then that means that god is on their side and then if you're poor well that means that you've done something wrong And there's even the example in john where the man is born blind and and so the disciples asked what to them is the obvious question well somebody sinned here because bad things happen when people sin and uh, this fellow probably thinks that because he's kept all these commandments he's prospered and done well and he doesn't want to give that up because that's what he's trying to achieve riches in this world but jesus is offering him something better and now peter asked the question so we've left everything what will there be for us here's the the preface to the parable Jesus said, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. That's the greater riches. That's the treasure in heaven. And then he makes this statement. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. That's the reversal, which then brings us to our parable. All this is related because it's all a discussion about true righteousness, true wealth, uh, true value, true status. And then he goes into this parable, sets up a picture of the kingdom. I love this kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning he went out and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard. I'll pay you whatever's right. So they went. He went out again about noon and then about three in the afternoon. He did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out, and he found still others standing around. He said, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one's hired us, they said. He said to them, well, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first ones hired. And the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came, and they each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, early in the morning, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you've made them equal to us, and we've borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But the landowner answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? And so the last will be first and the first will be last. If you read it from the standpoint of the early morning workers, you'd think, and again, with today's, you know, with our, our thinking, they, they, may, they may need a, a, a better union rep, is what their problem is, you know, because they, 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 they messed up. But really, this is a practice where these are, these are day workers, and the, the master of the vineyard's got to get the harvest in, and so you hire up all the people you can. This isn't long-term employment. And the point of the parable is it doesn't have to make sense to us as much as what it's saying. He's telling everyone who comes to work for him, I'm going to pay you the same thing. And it's a fair wage. A denarius is a day's wage. He says, if I want to pay this fellow this and I want to pay this fellow this, that's, my, that's between me and them. Now, I'll tell you why this is my, my uh, and, and by the way, the emphasis here is on the landowner that he's not cheating the early morning workers as much as he's being extremely gracious and kind to the late day workers um, the early morning workers are not getting cheated uh, it's, the, it's the five o'clock employees who are really getting a good deal this parable may speak to the tendency that that you know i mean remember peter asked a question he said you know we're the we're the early adopters here jesus we got in early with you and it's cost us a lot so what are we going to get the parables i mean how would you say the parable answers peter's question it really says peter you're going to get the same thing as everybody else because the wage you're going to get is incredibly fair um Let's read it another way. Let's say that, because um, a denarius, what's a denarius? We've got no idea. But let's just say that the parable, for the sake of, you know, illustration, says um, landowner comes up and he hires all these people, first shift of the morning, and he says, everyone who comes and works for me, because I am super wealthy, everyone who comes and works for me is going to get $5 million. Really? no taxes no taxes 5 million cash all right and then he hires people at 5 p.m. pays them 5 million too now if you've worked all day in that field and you're getting 5 million are you going to complain too much that somebody else only worked an hour and got 5 million i'd say we're 5 million ahead aren't we because that's a big number to us we like that and and i could i could live with that jesus is saying that the treasure in heaven is so great why do we want to quibble and fuss at this point about who's getting in without doing as much work as us? Because some of us are those early morning workers. We've been at this our whole lives, we've been at this for a long time. We've been faithful. For some of us, we've been faithful. Our folks have been faithful. We've been doing right, we've made sacrifices. Um, I mean, look at you, you're here on a dreary old uh, December night, you know, and you made the effort to get out here. All those other 5 p.m. workers, they're not here tonight. And, uh, you know, well, we, we could do that to ourselves. And I've seen that done. Because, you know, you always got these, these fellows who are, you know, right there at the last minute, at the last moment, they, they have their deathbed confession or they repent. And they get into the you know, and you just know they're 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 getting in the pearly gates and it's easy to think, really? Really? So I'd preached long ago, long ago. That means not here. I don't want but there was there was a man that I met and he he was such an interesting fellow and for so many years. He's like a lot of people, a lot of friends are, people we know. Good person, good man. Somehow, it just him and church life just didn't stick. You know, he didn't. He didn't turn away from Jesus. He didn't turn away. Uh, he didn't. He didn't really abandon the church because he got his feelings hurt or anything. He just. And I understand this because these are my people growing up. He 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 was just one of these guys that always had something else to do. You know, had a Sunday morning project had. Um, Something going on, just busy, you know. Church wasn't for him, and um, and he was dying. And I talked to him, and he said, "Well, you'll do my funeral, right?" And I said, "Yeah, I said, "I will." And um, and he was friends with a lot of people because he worked with those people in that congregation, and I could tell that some of his friends uh, who had been with him all those years they're a little worried. Because he hadn't made the services of the church like he was supposed to and you know he was he was a he was a backslider you know, and uh i don't know why i did it but for some reason i used this parable <laughs> in his funeral service and one of his good friends came to me and he said thank you i needed to hear that i said tell me why he said i was really worried that god was going to hold it against him but i guess god's just as generous as he wants to be isn't he? and i said yep he's going to be as generous as he wants to be and that man he he showed up in the field right at the end Um, and that's not what gets him the generosity it's the generosity of the master but I was glad to know and I didn't expect this I was glad to know that that word became a comfort to his friends and I think they had a better attitude than this man or the, these these early morning workers in the parable, because they weren't grumbling about that. They weren't resentful of that. They were happy about their work. They were happy about what they had. They were just worried about their friend, and they didn't want him to be judged by some legalistic standard. And um, I think this parable keep helps us to keep perspective you and I we know the wages that we're going to receive we know what the wages of sin are we know how much it hurts and how much it leads to death we need to enjoy working in the vineyard and if people come in at the last hour the last shift of the day and they make the same amount we do what is that to us the master's generous generous I think, in fact, it'd be great if a whole bunch of people would come in right at the last shift of the day and help us bring in the harvest. That would be great. And so let that be our prayer. I love this parable uh, because it it does give me personally a picture of the kingdom. I hope you like it too. Um, If that's not your favorite, that's fine. Uh, There's many other parables that can be your favorite. Uh right now we're going to sing uh this song and communion's been prepared in room 100 so if you need to partake of communion tonight you can go do that and then Lee will dismiss us in prayer let's stand and let's sing